Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday morning message. Today's sermon is entitled Stopping Short by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. I still believe the promises of God. I still believe them. I still believe that he heals. I still believe that he saves. I still believe that he delivers. I believe you don't have to be bound by stuff for the rest of your life. I think you can be set free. For he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. And when you know the truth, it'll make you free. There's nothing like the truth of Almighty God. So I believe the promises of God. My subject today, it's a, it's a message. It's not a, it's not a series unless I just enjoy it real good and we start one up. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach today on this subject, stopping short. Stopping short. And I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, that's the sixth book of the Old Testament. Go to book 6 and go to chapter 6. I'm going to read pretty fast. It's on the screen. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because the Israelites, no one went in and no one came in. No one went out. No one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with the king. I have a little ring up here, Jaron, along with his king that's fighting men. March around the city once with the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets and when you hear them sound a loud blast of the trumpet have the whole army give a loud shout then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in so Joshua son of Nun called the priest and said take up the ark of the covenant the Lord and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it and he ordered the army advance march around the city with the armed guards going ahead of the ark of the Lord when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpet, and the rear guard followed the Ark. And all this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, Do not war cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. Say, shout with me. Shout. No, shout with me. Ah. Oh. Ah, that's all you got? That's it, that's it, okay. Lord, I'm glad y'all wasn't there that day. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. And Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took up the ark of the Lord, and seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. And the armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guards followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. Lord, they had to get their walking shoes on that day. The seventh time around, that didn't say it, I just said that. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Wow, what a word. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor today. And you may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you. When I came to Austin some 20 plus years ago to about 50 people, what impressed me then doesn't really impress me now. Then somebody, I love somebody who was 
able and willing to start something. Now I love people who love to finish something. There are unfulfilled promises in this room. There really are. All over this room, there's promises that are not yet possessed. There's healings that are in this house today. There are salvations that are in this house today. There are prophecy fulfillments that are in this house today. And yet, we are not seeing and possessing them as yet. But I want to talk to you about some things that I feel in my heart today. There's three things in the passage that I read to you, three things that cause people to stop short of their promise. Number one, because your perspective sometimes gets blocked. Put that on your refrigerator. The first battle the Israelites would fight in the promised land was Jericho. And Abraham had started this journey with the Israelites in the lineage. And then Moses came along and was there when they were in slavery in Egypt. And he was the one that with his rod opened up the Red Sea, shut the Red Sea, and caused the waters to part, and he led them out of of Egypt into the land of the wilderness. And then Joshua became the general, and uh, he brought them to the promised land. Remember, folks, there's always a problem standing between your promise and your possession. And the problem was called Jericho. Jericho was securely barred. It was impossible to get into. Really? (laughs) Really? In reality, though, in reality, the, uh, uh, Jericho was barred. It was an impossible situation. That does not intimidate God because Israel was the reason that the city was barred. Jericho had heard about the Red Sea. They had heard about the wilderness. They had heard about the miracles in the wilderness. In fact, Rahab told the spies when they came in to check it out, said, where have you been? We've been here. Our hearts melted 40 years ago. We've been waiting on you to come take us for a long, long time. Some of the stuff that has you on the run is really stuff that is afraid of you. It really is. God says something really comical to Joshua in verse 2. He said, see, it's comical to me, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Really, God, really. You've delivered it, past tense. Verse 1 said the city was barred up. Verse 2, God said, see, I have given it into your hands. Here's a, here's a question. What do you do when what you see does not equal with what God has said? First of all, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter what you see. When God says it, it has to go away. There is nothing about seeing that brings faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But the Bible said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So it doesn't matter if you've got a miracle that you haven't seen yet. It doesn't matter if there's bars and there's, and there's huge walls. It doesn't matter. When God speaks, his word is greater than what you see. Tap your hands to that. So what do you do? What do you do when a preacher is speaking on joy and you go home depressed? What do you do when he talks about wholesome marriages and yours is in chaos? What do you do when a preacher talks about respectful children and you don't even know where yours are today? What do you do when a preacher is speaking about peace and blessing and favor and the joy of the Lord and you don't understand it because your life is in turmoil? The enemy loves to use your problems to block your perspective in life. See, Jericho was was not a big city, but it was a well-defended city. It had high walls. And Jewish tradition said that there were five ways to deal with a walled city. 
But God is about to give his people another way, another way that's not in the history books. So sometimes to be victorious, folks, you have to do something that looks ridiculous in your life. You have to do some stuff that doesn't make sense. And one of the joys, hear me now, of coming to church and worshiping God. Anybody like to worship God in this house? Is being able to see beyond your perspective, beyond the walls of your life. Joshua's joy was the fact that what he was looking at was not important nearly as much as what God had said to him. So today, I want to say something. I want you to do something right now. I want you to start clapping your hands and just kind of raise your praise a little bit. Let's just have a praise break, and let's just see what God does in our perspective. Come on. Come on. Just have a little praise break here today. It's all right. It's all right. Just praise him. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him because he's touched you. Praise him because he's here. Praise him because he is your God. Just praise him today. Come on. Come on, praise him. Now, please be seated. Now, do you feel better? Sure you do. Because he inhabits the praise of his people. That's what he said. I heard that. I've heard that. And I know when I get him on the scene, he is bigger than all of us combined on the same scene. We've got a big brother that can push that wall over. We've got somebody in our family that can walk up and blow it down. Amen? We've got somebody in our family that can use their little finger and change your whole world because that's the God that we have. I want to say wow. Here's the reason I want to say wow. I want to tell you that every promise... Every single promise in the Bible in Christ is mine. You'll, oh my Lord. You'll never find a promise in this Bible where a nay is with it. It's always a yay. It's never a nay. All the promises of God are yay, say yay, Yay. and amen. amen. So that means everything in this book belongs to the believer. Are you with me today? So God Almighty wants to take you on a journey. He wants to take you. And he wants you to understand that walls are not, it doesn't matter how many walls that enemies erect. And they put keep out signs on them. And self says, you know what? You know what? I'm not as smart as my brother. I'm not as smart as my mom. I'm not as smart as my all my kin folks. I'll never be able. I wanted to go back to school at 40, pastor, and I'm not able because I don't think I'm bright enough. And what if I flunk out of school? What if I flunk out? Do you know the guy that helped me write my first book flunked out of school three times and he's a genius? And he went back to school the fourth time when he wasn't drinking and he passed. Isn't it amazing? I'm here to tell you something. Don't you let somebody tell you that you're not smart enough. Don't you let somebody tell me you're not good enough. Don't you let nobody tell you that. You put your shoulder to the wheel and you get after it. And I'm going to tell you something else. Somebody said, well, you know, pastor, I lose five pounds and I gain 10 back, you know, and I'll never, I'll never be that skinny person that I want to be. Well, I won't either because I like Bluebell too much. But anyhow, I'm going to tell you, you know, you, listen to me, listen to me. You, you say, I can't even run on the treadmill. Pastor, I can't even walk on the treadmill. There's things that I can't do. Listen to this pastor right now. You don't let things absolutely destroy you because God Almighty can take what you don't have and give you what you do need and you can have victory in your life. And I'm going to go further. You can have triumph in your life, which means you can live in a state of victory today. You can do that. 
Oh, I want to preach to you today. I might just get outside the box today. You've got to praise and it'll lift your perspective because sometimes your perspective gets blocked. Then your progress isn't always obvious either. Your progress isn't always obvious. Second point, and there's an old song that said, I'm going on a bear hunt. You ever read it, heard it, sang it? Can't go under it, can't go over it, can't go under it, can't go around it. You got to go through it. Six days of marching, nothing was moving. You know, it looks like after six days, at least a brick might fall out of the wall. You know, it looks like there might have just been a crack, just a crack in the wall. God, I think I see one. I believe I see a crack in that wall. No, 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 that mortar's pretty stout right there. There's nothing moving. God told Joshua, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpet. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. You would think that if God sent you out to march for six days around a wall, that at least a brick might fall on day two or three. You'd think that. Get out there. Send them on a march and nothing moves. Look, God, if you want me to march around this wall, let something happen, really. I need to see a little movement. I need to see that you might have a little earthquake coming. If I'm going to walk, I need to see you work. Okay, God? That's kind of what it was. You know, sometimes we're raising our kids and we're saying, my God, I've done all this Spock stuff. I've done all the Solomon stuff. I've done everything somewhere in between Solomon and Spock. I'm trying to raise my kids, and I'm going crazy. I read my Bible, and I can't even grasp it because I don't have a retention problem because these kids are going nuts. I can't even have my meditation time. The finances are not in order. There's a doctor's bill that came in we didn't expect. The transmission on the car failed, and my wife backed into a post office box, I mean a mailbox, and we got problems. And, and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And God says, this is not a walk by sight. It's a walk by faith. You walk around the walls and believe that I am working. Now, I know it would have been neat to read the headlines. Israel comes into promise. Israel comes into Canaan, and they walk around the walls one time, and they celebrate. But the Bible said God told Joshua six days. Everybody say six days. That's the number of man. I want you to go six days. 666 is the mark of the beast. Some say the mark of the beast is the iPhone. Now, I got the five, but I'm worried six is coming. (laughs) Don't tell anybody I preached about that. Six laps, nothing happens. But you walk on even if nothing happens. Here's a life question. Look at it. Will you do God's will even when nothing is happening? Will you still forgive when you don't feel like forgiving? Will you still honor God with your tithe when you say, I've lost all my money? Will you still be a faithful child of God when nothing's going on in your horizon? Will you still be there? Will you still honor God when you're fixed to be thrown into a fiery furnace? And you say, I don't know what God's going to do, but I do know that God will take care of us. 
Could you spend a night in a den of lions? Can you do that? Really? Can you, would, would you hang your harp on a willow in the land of Babylon or would you still be singing a song of the lamb in Babylon? Here's what I want to tell you. When nothing is happening in your world, can you still be the person that God wants you to be in your life? You know what? If, if God answered every prayer that I prayed, you know what I'd do? I'd pray all the time. I'd run, into, I'd run into light poles out there on the parking lot just saying, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Boom, oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you, but God's answering prayer. Forgive me. And I'd run over here and I'd hit a car and I'd do everything. I'd pray all the time because if God answered every prayer, but God don't answer every prayer right when I pray it. If you'll let me preach, I'm going to preach to you today. God wants to know when the prayer is not answered, will you still pray? When something happens at church negative, will you still come to church? When something goes wrong on your job, will you still show up on your job? When kids are not doing right, will you still try to be a father and a mother to those kids? Will you still do what's right? Will you keep walking even though nothing is happening in your life? It's pretty good stuff right there. You know, this is not like Tetris. You ever played Tetris? When you got one line completed, that line disappears. Lord, we walked today, and it's a whole day. I wished one-seventh or one-eighth or one-tenth of that wall would at least have fell down today, but it didn't. God says, maybe I don't want you to know what's happening because you need to keep walking. Because here's the point. God's doing something inside of those people that they'll be able to accept the miracle when it happens the day it does happen. God's not going to just bless you just because you lift your hands today and say hallelujah. God's got some testing time for all of us. And sometimes six days is too long for some of us. Sometimes we can't give our maximum effort for that long. But that's what I'm preaching. There's not no stopping now. We're not going to stop now. We're not going to stop. We're going to continue to go because God has promised this church a massive, mighty, in-time revival. And we are starting to see some fruits of that. But I'm here to declare to you right now, we're not going to stop until God rains down his power and his glory and his grace and his healing. I had a little lady walk in the church today. And three years ago, she came for prayer. Three years ago, she came for prayer for sugar diabetes and migraine headaches. She went to the doctor this week. You know what he told her? He said, your migraine headaches are no longer there and you're healed of sugar diabetes. There's no more sugar diabetes in your body. What am I saying? It it was a three-year journey. Somebody said, I don't think I have three years. Well, you've got to hang in here, folks, because it's not all happening on the seventh day every day of your life. Ooh, I feel like preaching right now. A life lesson. Here's a life lesson. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Even though they didn't see the walls cracking, something was happening in them that was preparing them for the promise they were about to see. So God tells Joshua, Joshua, I got this plan. I've got a purpose. And you have the promise. March around the wall six times, one time a day. And then on the seventh, seven times, blow the horn, shout, and I'll do my thing, and I have a plan. So that's what God told Joshua from verse 3 to verse 6. Then Joshua, I'm verse 5, then Joshua from verse 6 to 13 tells the people what he's heard from God. But I want you to hear this now. Joshua never told the people how many times they had to walk around the wall. That's, not, that's what's not in the Scripture. What's not in the scripture is that he didn't say we're going to do this six days 
And on the seventh day, we're going to walk seven times. He didn't do that. He just said, folks, we're going to walk around the walls. Get the priest, get the Ark of the Covenant, get the guards, get the trumpets. We're going to walk today. He never told them how many days it was. Because here's the point. God is not going to work by a formula. God's going to work by people's passion that says, you're not going to shut me down. If we have to do this again tomorrow, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. If we have to do this again tomorrow, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Because I know that I'm here in this land of promise and God's got a promise for me. And I'm going to get my promise because I'm standing in the middle of where God wants me to be to claim my promise. Hallelujah. So here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you. We're just going to walk. We're just going to walk. They never told him. Now, now, I think this is cute. I think this is cute. Verse 10, Joshua commanded the army. He said, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voice. Do not say a word. In other words, shut up until the day I tell you to shout and then you shout. You know why Joshua did that? Because he had a burr in his saddle. Joshua had a burr in his saddle. Because, see, 40 years ago at Kadesh Barnea, they're supposed to come into the promised land. See, the, from Egypt to the land of promise was an 11-day journey. It took them 40 years. And Moses sent out spies some 40 years ago and said, I want to get, get a spy from every tribe. So he sent 12 spies. Two of them were Joshua and Caleb. Ten of them were the other 10 men. And there's a man from the tribe of Reuben named Shua who was the leader, really, because he was the elder son tribe. And they went into the land of promise. They went into Jericho. They went in, pardon me, they went into the land of promise and they looked it over. They looked over Canaan and they saw the giants of Anak. And, and yet they saw the fruit. They saw houses. They saw vineyards. They saw wells. They saw all this stuff. And Moses didn't send them over there, folks. You got to get this to see if we could take the promised land, take over Canaan. He sent them to see how the best way was to do it. Oh my God, I feel like preaching right now. But when they came back, 10 of the 12 said, man, they're too big. We look like grasshoppers in our sight. He said, we can't conquer these people. Those giants are massive. And meanwhile, Joshua and Caleb's got a big old branch of grapes and some pomegranates piled on and said, boy, it looks good over there though. Wow. It's awesome. And they, were, and they saw these grapes. They saw the fruit. And Joshua and Caleb were begging, Moses, we can do this. We can do it. But there's outnumbered 10 to 2. And all of a sudden, now you've got to get this, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Read it when you get home today. Numbers 13 and 14, that's where you're going to find it. The Bible said the people started murmuring. You know what murmuring is? That means a... Everybody was grumbling. Everybody was murmuring. They were complaining. They said, we can't do it. It's not right for us to go in there. And Joshua went and got him a new suit at the hardware store. He got him a brand new suit. Evidently he did because the Bible said he rent his garment, he rent his suit. He was so aggravated, he laid prostrate before him. Caleb laid prostrate, Moses laid prostrate, Aaron laid prostrate, begging those people, come on, we can do it. And Joshua and Caleb got to make it across. And Joshua said, I've been here before. Woo, hallelujah. I've been here before. And I know that we could have done this 40 years ago. We could have been here a long time ago. But you started fussing, you started complaining, you started saying God couldn't do it. And I'm, oh, somebody help me preach right now. And I knew that God could do it. I knew that God could step up. I knew that God could do this for us. Now, when we walk that, we walk that last time, I don't want you to open your mouth. I don't want you to say anything negative. I don't want you to start that murmuring, complaining, and grumbling. Because all we're going to do is keep our mouth shut until we shout. 
Let me preach to you right now. If you're sitting beside somebody that said God can't do it, tell them to hush. Tell them to hush right now because I'm preaching about a God that can do anything, a God that can heal anybody, a God that can save the lowest person, a God that can bring the backslider out, a God that can deliver anybody. I'm talking about a God that knows what he is doing in our life. Joshua had him a brand new suit to go to the land of promise. Had to rip it apart because those people wouldn't go. So you're not going to do it this time. Woo, I love that. Ain't going to happen this time. So Joshua told them they had to march. But he didn't tell them how long. Wow. Too much negative talk. Too much murmuring was going to take place if he told them how long. They didn't know how many laps. Joshua knew, but the people didn't know. He could count the days. It'd be nice to know how many laps sometime we had in our situation left. God, when is my dilemma going to be over? When is my trial going to be over? When's this pain going to end? When's this sickness going to stop? And so the Bible said, verse 11, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Now, can you imagine if you're a soldier? Now, the wife and the kids stayed home. I don't know if you know that or not. The army went, but the wife and the kids stayed home, and they waited in the tents way out there. And can you imagine that, that soldier coming home to his wife, and his wife said, honey, honey, how was your day? How was that march today? I bet it was powerful. Did you kill anybody? Well, no, hon, we didn't kill anybody today. It was kind of, you know, kind of vision casting day to day, you know. Didn't kill anybody. Well, what happened? When you get through telling your story, I'm going to tell you my story because the kids have been driving me crazy today. But you got to tell me yours. And so he said, well, it, not much happened today. Well, what did you do, hon? Well, well, we just kind of, we just kind of, you know, walked around and, you know, didn't do any hitting today. It was vision day. Didn't get any killing done. Kind of preseason, kind of spring training, you know. Kind of getting in shape, you know. Well, then what did you do? Well, we took some cold water, poured it on ahead, had a cool down period, then we walked home, and here I am. <laughs> Next day, the second day, verse 14, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, did this for six days. And the woman said, what'd you do today, hon? The wife said, what'd you do today? Well, hon, kind of like we did yesterday. Did you hit anybody, kill anybody? No, nobody got killed today. Nobody died. Well, what, what'd you do? Well, we kind of just kind of stretched, you know, and, you know, kind of did our thing, you know, kind of did some calisthenics and, Oh, the priest did blow some horns, and we kind of walked in cadence, you know. And Well, what'd you do? Did you kill anybody? Did you shoot anybody? Any arrows hit the, hit the wall? No, didn't do anything like that. We didn't waste any ammunition today. What'd you do? Well, we just kind of washed our head and got cooled down and come home. Well, my Lord, what's happening here? And so I want to be privileged. I, I, I want to be privileged to say something without being judged, okay? You all know this means I hate exercise. <laughs> Sound like I got some people. And I'm not going to be strong, but I don't like people. I don't hate you. I just don't like people that love to exercise. <laughs> I have a problem with you. You come up to me and say, man, I can't wait to get out there, pump that 220 again. <sighs> get out of my face. Get out of my face. I can't wait to lift that heavy fork on that bluebell, that heavy spoon on that bluebell after. All you people, all you people that are like me, let's have a bluebell festival. I've been, I've been, I've been fasting and dieting bluebell all summer, part of the spring. 
I'm going to have a breakout in September. I'm not a binge eater, but I'm just going to have a breakout. I went to my neighbor's house yesterday. I went to my neighbor's house to deliver a package that was to our door, and he walks to the door. I think it was a sign. He had an ice cream sandwich in his hand. It was a sign. And I said, what are you eating? He said, oh, it's just a bluebell cookie. I said, oh, God, a bluebell cookie? You, you think God's not speaking to me? He's telling me something. He's saying, son, I want you to go home and reach way back there in that refrigerator and get that bluebell and pull it out. You know, what the, you know what my neighbor told me? He said, he's the devil. He's just the devil. He was used of the devil. He said, you ought to just go finish that thing off, man. Finish it off. I can't, man, I can't. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. He knows I'm a preacher. I said, get behind me. I can't do that. I can't do it. But it's amazing. It's just amazing. But I hate exercise. I used to have, a, I used to have a, a, an exercise guru, a man that was my coach. He came to this church. He moved to Houston. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I loved him. He's a great guy. He really was. Hope, you, hope you're enjoying Houston, Justin. Hope you're enjoying Houston. But he never would tell me when I was close to finishing my reps. Are you with me? He never said, we're going to do 10 of these, preacher, 10 of these. He just said, we're going to do them until you get tired. Well, I'm tired right now. <laughs> he always liked to hit me in the stomach. And if I saw it coming, I could harden it maybe, and it didn't go in quite as far, you know. I could harden my stomach. But if he hit me, boy, I mean, he used to hit me on the porch. How you doing, preacher? I said, touch not mine anointed. Do my prophet no harm. Get your hands off of me, boy. <laughs> but he never would tell me how many we're going to do. We're just going to do them. Till you're tired. And he always said, okay, one more. <clears throat> one more. <clears throat> I have to admit, sometimes I fake that. <laughs> because, I, <laughs> because I knew that the next time he got me there, he was going to make me do one more. He always remembered one more than what I did the last time or two more because he wanted to make me the man of steel. I told him all I want to do is just firm up a little bit so I can hit a golf ball better with my wrist and my arms. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to be Mr. Universe. He said, believe me, you'll never be Mr. Universe. <laughs> kind of aggravated me, kind of hurt my feelings. I told him to go to another church. <laughs> but life doesn't tell you three more reps. Life doesn't tell you one more lap. Sometimes you wonder, when am I going to be done with this? I don't mind hanging in there, Pastor, but when's it going to stop hurting like it hurts? I've been addicted for a long time to this thing called drugs. I've been bound by alcoholism for a long time, Pastor. When's it going to stop? When am I going to stop? I can't tell you when it's going to stop, but I know that if you keep showing up to church, and if you keep loving God and hearing the general preach to you and hearing somebody say, we got to walk again, we got to do it again, we got to do it again, that one day, one day, you're going to have your victory in your life and you're going to see the walls come down in your problems. I have a man in this church that I love supremely. And if I called his name, you'd all clap for him. I love him. But three months ago, he got a demotion, a flat-out demotion. They took him away from a management position 
they put him in a just a checkpoint truck. He works for a company that it makes a lot of people happy. And they put him, they demoted him, they cut his pay. And he came to me and he's crying. And I said, one day, demotion does not a life make. God's not done with you. Don't let one day's defeat mean your life is over. Get up the next day and walk again. Get up the next day and walk again. Get up the next day and walk again. Because you never know when lap or, or day seven's coming and you're going to see a victory in your life. You're not going to stop short. And just two weeks ago, you got to get this. They let the two people that was over him go because they were raising too much heck in the business. And they gave this one man both of their jobs. And now he's the overseer and the boss of all of Texas. Honey, Texas ain't a little state. You hear me? We're not talking about Rhode Island. We're talking about Texas. We're not talking about Maine. We're talking about Texas. I'm here to tell you, don't you stop because there's a setback. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Don't you stop because there's a setback in your life. You get up the next morning and you keep walking. You keep walking. Even though... Let me get to point three. If, number two, your progress is not always obvious. Number three, the process is open-ended. Let me preach. I, I, I got to hush. I go off. I count meeting you right there. It'd be wonderful if life was like NASCAR, you know. I know I'm going to make some more, man. I don't like NASCAR. Well, I got one supporter. <laughs> now, if you took me, I've never been a, but if you took me to one, I'd go. I really would. I'd go, but I wouldn't buy my own ticket. <laughs> and that happened, sir, Bluebell ice cream. <laughs> but I'd go. But you know what I love about NASCAR is this. They at least tell you how many laps you got left. Yeah. <laughs> and when, they know, when you know how many laps you got left, it kind of makes you feel good. Well, I'm just five laps from the finish line. And then the last lap, you know what they do? They wave a white flag. I studied this. They wave a white flag, say, you got one lap to go, one lap to go, and then you're finished. The problem is, we have nobody to wave a white flag for us. So many times, we're waving our own white flag and saying, I'm quitting. My daddy used to live by a slogan, it's always too soon to quit. Don't you ever quit. Don't you ever quit. Let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell the Bible. Let me tell downstairs. It doesn't matter if your prayer hadn't been answered in three years. You hang in there. Your last laps are coming. Are you with me? Your last laps are coming. Are you with me? It's coming. You hang in there. God will not despise his church. He loves his church. And the promises of God are yea and amen, and they're meant for you. You just got to get up and keep walking in your life. Keep walking in your life. Let me hurry up and close. Somebody needs dinner. One more lap. One more lap. One more lap. One more lap. Whoever it is, I hope you're red in the face right now. One more lap. 
I didn't look. I didn't look up. Don't stop now. Everybody say, I'm not stopping now. Because I may be on lap six. Tomorrow may be my victory lap. Can't give up because it doesn't feel good. How much longer? How many more nights do I have to feel this way, Pastor? How many more nights do I have to see all my friends and people that I love get married and have good lives and, and I'm, I'm still single? And Pastor, how many more nights do I have to hold myself pure against this world? This world is such a vile place. And Pastor, how many more? How many more? Just, just keep walking, kids. Just keep walking. Because it's imperative to understand. You may feel like you're walking in circles. Pastor, the Bible says train up a child in the way you should go when they're old and not depart. I don't think my kids will ever get old enough. I'm going to kill them because they're not married. They're not listening to me right now. You know what I'm saying? What do you do, Pastor? What do you do when nothing is going right in your life? You just get up another day. God have mercy. And you just keep walking. You just keep walking. Israel didn't know how many days they had left, but they knew that there was going to be a victory someday. And they knew that they had to be positive because they knew that God was going to shower them with blessings. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 35, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Here's what I want to say. God has to prepare you for what he has prepared for you. God, listen, the first six days, not a brick fell, but there were bricks falling in here. There were some shingles coming off here. There was some mortar being erupted here because God was working on the person that was able to inherit the city. If he made it easy for us, nobody would ever, ever come to church. We'd just walk around, run into a light post, praying and getting prayers answered. God, give me the lottery, two million. Thank you. Thank you, God. God, heal all my kids. Boom. Every one of your kids are making straight A's or road scholars and they're going to Harvard. Wow, thank you, God. It wouldn't work that way. But when we have to walk, we have to get up every morning and not knowing if it's the last lap or on the fourth day or the fifth day, the sixth day, or thank God the seventh day. Do you realize on that seventh day they had to walk seven times? And I bet they thought, Lord, what, what kind of exercise are we going into now? That's just like Justin used to do me. One more rep, Pastor. One more. Because I'm going to push you further today than I did yesterday. And when those people got on that seventh day, I bet they thought, my God, Joshua's lost his mind. He's been in the sun too long. He's had too much stuff happen to him in this journey. He's mad at all of us. But on that seventh time around that wall, you with me now? Are you with me? Are you with me now? They said, blow trumpets, blow. And those priests blew those trumpets. And then Joshua said, okay, you've been quiet for seven days. I want you to let out a yell. And there was a shout of praise that went up. And all of a sudden, the Bible said the walls came down flat. You know what that means? That means there wasn't a bunch of rubble. God just opened the earth and the walls just said zip right down into the ground. And God covered them up and said, take it, boys, take it. That's how you get into a wall city that the Jewish traditionists say you got to have five different ways to do it. When God gets it done, he just gives you a path to walk on because that's all you've been doing anyhow is walking. 
This journey's about walking, folks. Are you, are you listening to the pastor today? Are you listening to me? Act like every lap, keep standing, act like every lap is your last lap. And one day, you're going to be right. Six is your effort. Six is your ability. Six is mine. Seven is his. He that's begun a good work in me is able to complete what he has started. I read about an old prospector one time that was trying to find some gold, and he had been working in the same vein, mine vein, for a long time, and he had axed and chopped away with his axe. And he knew, he just knew in his heart, he knew that there was some gold there. He'd saw, he'd saw the trappings of it. He knew there was some gold up in there. And he just kept digging, digging. And he finally, after so many days, he just said, you know what? Maybe there's not. And he walked out of the, and walked out of the mine. And about a month later, somebody else walked in and said, well, it looks like somebody's dug a little here. I think I'll see what's up there. And he hit it two times with his axe. That far away, one hand's breadth was a vein of gold was one of the richest in all of California. Here's what I'm telling you. You never know when you're just one hallelujah away, just one prayer meeting away, just one church attendance and hearing the word of God away, just one time of walking around the walls again. So what do we do, Pastor? I tell you what, I'm I'm just going to keep walking. Come on, help me right now. Just keep walking. Come on, pick your feet up right now. Let's just start walking a little bit. Come on, pick your feet up. Can you do that? Are you able to do that? Come on, let's keep walking. That's what we got to do. Every day, we just got to walk. Come on, come on, help me, help me. Come on, we got to walk. Let me hear you, let me hear you. Come on, we got to walk. That's what we got to do. We got to walk every day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to walk today. I'm going to walk tomorrow. I'm going to walk on Tuesday. I'm going to walk on Wednesday. Come on, I'm going to walk. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk because that's what God told me to do. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk. I may not be healed today, but I'm going to walk today. My family may not be right. I'm going to walk today. My home may not be right, but I'm going to walk today. I may not have got that job, but I'm going to walk today. I may have got a demotion instead of a promotion, but I'm going to walk today. That's how you do it. You claim the promises of God every day because we're not going to ever stop short. We're going to complete this thing. In the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.